Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parents in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice, and of course, tales of parenting woe. Because let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. Hello, you're listening to Parenting Hell with... Can you say Rob Beckett? Rob Beckett. Can you say Josh Widdicombe? Josh Beckett. Well done. I like that, Josh. Very happy, very cute. One of the daughters, obviously, is the happiest time. Summer, aged 28 months. Is it the happiest time? And Harper, nine months, introducing the show. Mum Amy is originally from Warrington, but we now all reside in Dad James's hometown of Maidenhead. Maidenhead has a tour venue, I'm sure. Yeah, and Warrington. Sure you've done Maidenhead, Norden Farm in Maidenhead back in the day, Rob. Our kids are just 18 months apart and it's been hard work and we're so looking forward to the golden age when we can enjoy our holidays again, when they are six, as Rob always says. No, four. I've just took two four. years off of that. Josh, it's four. Oh. I think from four is when holidays, you enjoy them and get a bit of rest and it's not so much graft. So it's not six. Don't panic. You're not far off. Thanks for the laughs and relatability. You once got us through a road trip to Switzerland when our oldest was four months old. What a mistake that was. That would have been COVID. Yeah, that is brutal, isn't it? Do you like summer, Rob? Rank the seasons, please. For me, spring, top one, right in there, right up your arse. Spring and autumn are my favourite because they're the transitional ones. They're full of excitement. Yes, it goes for me, spring, autumn, summer, winter. So for me, it goes autumn, spring, winter, summer. Really? Winter over summer? That's no, no. Oh, because of Christmas. I love Christmas, Rob. Autumn's the best because the nights are drawing in and then Christmas is coming. Wait, sorry, are we watching Strictly? Christmas must be coming. Oh, oh I'm a celebrity. Get Magic Christmas on. Here we go. Lovely. You know what? I think you might have maybe switched summer and winter around. Josh, well, you all right? Yeah. Rose has just spoken to some BT engineers in the street and they've said it's their fault the internet is down and they're sorting it. Oh, okay, yes. You've had issues for a week now. Luckily, they're getting sorted, Josh. Exactly. Have I won you round to autumn then? No, actually, no, you haven't. Because winter isn't I'm a celebrity in Christmas. That's autumn still. Winter's January. Do you know what? There's something about January I do like, Rob, which is I like that feeling of... Oh, God, I'm going to eat a vegetable and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to start that project that I want. Like, I like the feeling of renewal no, in January. I hate that. I, l- hate that. I, hate, I hate that. I hate that the most. <laughs> I hate New Year's resolutions. <laughs> Little rats like you. Oh, from the first... I tell you what, give your own arse a slap and do it now. It's November. Fucking crack on with it. Do that project now. What's the number? If you have to wait till then, it'll never get done. If you really want to do it, you'll start today. That's what I say, Josh. Okay. So winter's fucked off. Winter's gone. It goes spring, autumn, summer, winter, January. Blur. I think summer's too hot these days. Yeah. mm, yeah, I don't know about that as much. I wouldn't say the British summer's too hot for me. It's too hot for me. Everything's too hot for you. Even ear-covering headphones are too hot for you. I know. That's why I've gone winter over summer. I'm not made for heat. I've never seen you in a big jumper. You are T-shirt and thin jacket or T-shirt and big coat. I've never seen you in a jumper. or I'd wear a sweatshirt. Yeah, even that is a thinner one. I'd never seen you in a thick knitted jumper like a fisherman. I cannot wear a knit. The eczema? I don't have eczema. Don't you? You sure? Oh, asthma. You've got asthma. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew you had a muh. I can't wear a knit. It just makes me too hot. It just makes me too hot. We're just a couple of hot-blooded young guys, mate, out on the prowl. Yeah. I can only go clothes shopping in the summer when I'm wearing a shorts and T-shirt and swimming. I can't bear it. All the jumpers, all the layers I get. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, Not a fan of it. Just. Going into a shop in a coat. Fuck it. <laughs> 
to a shop with a coat. That is such a simple thing, but it's horror. Over your arm, then oh. your forearm sweaty. Oh, my God. Awful, awful stuff. <laughs> and then you're carrying stuff, and then all of a sudden, you're dripping with sweat because it's yeah. all lot inside, and you've got your big coat on, but you're trying to do a shop. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, fuck that. I do think the chiller aisles have got colder, though, in supermarkets since I used to work in them. Do you? Yeah. I get cold in them now. I never used to. When I worked in Safeway, which supermarket did you work in? I did Sainsbury's and Marks and Spencer. Oh, but slightly more upmarket than Safeway. Yeah, I was just up the greasy pole up to the top of the old M&S. Because is this just a Safeway terminology? So they'd have freezer section, fridge section, yeah. and then they'd have fruit and veg, which was like fresh. And then you could always do the mushroom joke. Not mushroom for these on the shelf. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I once saw a stand-up do that to very little. What, in a gear? That's a dad joke in, at work. You had to do it at work. I once saw a stand-up. He brought me on, Rob. He did 10 minutes of puns about meeting his wife in the vegetable aisle, which was, I thought, there's not mushroom here. I don't know what the other ones were. <laughs> she was the apple of my eye. She was apple of my eye. Oh, that's a lot nicer. Yeah, then. yeah. Um, she had a lovely pair. Yeah, oh, bit blue. She shoved the courgette yeah. up my ass. Stuff like that. Exactly. Like things. He walked on. You know what compares men are do? Crowd work. He walked on, walked straight to the mic, just did 10 minutes of these puns and brought me on, and I didn't know what to do with myself. I got brought on a corporate, and it was for like a lot of old geezers that love rugby. And there was a yeah. rugby player, a really tall one. Oh, I followed him. I followed him. Oh, he's so good. He's impossible. The bloke that's in Harry Potter. He's impossible to follow. Yeah, he's fucking massive. What's his name? He's Is he so, called he's... Martin Bayfield? Martin Bayfield. That's it. Big up, Bayfield. Great. If you want an ex-rugby pro as an after-dinner speaker, he's great. I'd say bit blue. Does a lot of stuff about cocks in the changing room. All good stuff. But he's so big. He's so alpha. Does really sort of blue stuff and stories from rugby days. And it's quite laddie. Yeah. And also he's been an Harry Potter. So he sprinkles out. He brought me on and I died hard. I died He's hard. unfollowable. Because he shakes your hand. And it looks like he's introduced yep. a child. He's six foot ten. He's a foot and a half taller than you. I know, and he's done all those jokes. Oh, man, I died. And do you know what? Darren Goff, the England bowler, was in the second row and I could see him willing me on, <laughs> desperately hoping it would get better for me. But in reality, we both knew where it was going. Yeah. Two people I've died after, the worst at a corporate, Martin Bayfield and uh, William Hague. <laughs> Fucking unfollowable, William Hague. Well, that's difficult because you're impossible to follow Bayfield because you're so different to him. But with William Hague, you're so similar to him. Again, it's almost impossible to follow in a different way. Bayfield. Oh, we should have a Bayfield survivors group. All the other comedians that have died that thought they were good at comedy until Bayfield rocks up yeah. with his sports stories. Oh, my God. And just for the Hague one, Rob. Yeah, go on. The audience of the financial industry were far more in line with his views than they were with mine. Let's put it that way. I can imagine. He was an excellent booking for the audience, and I was probably a misbooking. That's the way I'd view it. I need to find what Martin Bayfield finishes on. I think it's about another rugby player's penis or something. It's got to be about Will Carling's dick or something, isn't it? <laughs> But he's excellent at it, Bayfield. Yeah, you can see. There's a little clip of him on Prime Performers, look, if you want to book him. Yeah, I bet he's good. Anyway, the episode today, we have got Tom Skinner on the show today. He's from The Apprentice. He's from the internet, famous for his inspirational speeches from Dino's Cafe at 4am. He's released his new book called Graft, all about his life. But he's a very interesting character, larger than life, very funny man. Also, he's got two baby twins and like a three or four-year-old boy, which we discuss. So he's up early, he's busy, and we chat about life and kids. Enjoy our loyal listeners. What, we haven't got a name for the Parent in Hell listeners, have we? No, we haven't, have we? Like the lids. The lids. So, yeah, have a word podcast, call their listeners the lid. Off-menu people, I don't know what they call this, the hungry bastards. Right, well, send in suggestions of what we can call our listeners. You guys. Right, this is Tom Skinner. Enjoy. Tom Skinner, welcome to Parenting Help. Very excited to have you. I'm buzzing to be here. Thanks for having me. It's exciting. Josh, have you met Tom? No, but obviously I'm a fan from the moment I saw him and thought he's like you. <laughs> we get a lot of people saying that we're the same. You made your name on The Apprentice nationally, locally, through other means. It was The Apprentice. And then obviously you got more famous, I think, through your breakfasts. 
just go and Dino's care. Talk me through your breakfast, Tom. Yeah, so talk us through how you got so big on TikTok because that sort of pushed you on into getting a book deal, really, isn't it, as well? So basically, like numerous different things, markets, still sell furniture, I've got a boxing gym, but we always start work at like three, four in the morning if we we're going down the warehouse, whether we're going to a market, whether we're going to load up. And there's a calf called Dino's Calf, right, in the new Spitalfield market in Leighton in East London. And we go in there with the boys and we get a nice big bit of breakfast. And it just sort of happened last year. Like I've always given a little motivational, come on, let's watch today. We're going to go out and give it 110%. We're not messing about. We ain't going home till we're proud. We're going to run loads of readies. And then my mate was like, we should film this. And we just filmed as a laugh. Yeah. Stuck it on. And by the way, we always have like lasagna. Oh. It's not egg and bacon. It's no. <laughs> a main meal. Roast dinners. Roast dinner. We just put a bit of grub and we just filmed it, stuck it on the internet because it's like, mate, people might like listen to this. And I've done it and it sort of went viral straight away. And then I thought I'd do it again and I'd do it again because I'm in there every day. So it didn't really make no odds to me. People were just like, this geezer's waking up at four o'clock. He's like spreading positivity and smashing down like seven roast potatoes at four thirty <laughs> in the morning. It's inspiring, Tom. I think that's your charm. <laughs> what sort of won you so many fans on The Apprentices? Like your book's called Graft. You work really hard, and you've got a busy home life now. So you've got three kids. Three kids, mate, nightmare. So, and what ages? So Henry is. Well, he's coming up to three in November, start of November, and the twins are four months old. Oh, my word. Yeah, twin girls. What was the moment like when they said at the scan, this is twins? Mate, do you know what happened, right? You couldn't make this up. So I've got a third sense. I'm not like Mystic Meg, but I was like, imagine it's twins. Anyway, gone to the hospital. Do you mean a sixth sense? (laughs) No, fifth sense. No, no, you said you've got a third. Most people have got five. Oh, well, I've only got three. <laughs> You've got an extra sense, is what you're saying. I'm a couple of senses behind. <laughs> and one of them is you can tell the twins are coming. That's it. Yeah, I'm saving yeah. up for the rest. So we've gone to the hospital and yeah. Sinead's laying on this big sort of like chair thing and the nurse has started rubbing jelly into her belly and all of a sudden there's a big screen in front of us. So I can see clear as day there are two babies on that screen. I can see right. it. Oh, yeah? my God. Tiny little babies that... The nurse goes to my wife and she goes, oh, my God, we've got one healthy heartbeat and we've got two healthy heartbeats. And my wife, Sinead, bless her, went, is it normal for the baby to have two heartbeats? (laughs) (laughs) I've looked at her and I've gone, you what? (laughs) (laughs) They're having twins, babe. (laughs) I imagine you've always wanted quite a big family, Tom. Honestly, it's the best thing that's ever happened. Like, I love my kids. Like It's great. You know what I mean? I love getting home from work and little Emery just showing me his poo in the potty. It's fantastic, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, yeah. What a welcome home. Yeah. Daddy, look, i done poo-poo present. No. <laughs> <laughs> what time do you get up normally anyway? If I ain't working about five or six, I don't really sleep that well. Like last night, I've basically, I've caught, been to work a week. I had to get my little boy from nursery on Friday because he had a little yeah. tummy bug and he was being sick. And I caught it yesterday. So yesterday, oh. I was all night being sick. Both ends, basically. <laughs> so I've had not a great night's sleep today, but it's good because I've got a day off. So I'm doing these bits and pieces with yous. Right, so this is a day off to you. I'd say, Tom, you do better with less sleep than Josh. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> ideal for it. So what time do you go to bed? Probably about 10, 10 o'clock-ish, 10, 11. And get up at three. Three or three. Fuck it. So having kids didn't affect you in terms of a sleep thing at all? Mate, I'll be fair. I've always been a really light sleeper. Like, I mean, last night, obviously, it was terrible. I've hardly any sleep. But it doesn't really affect me. Like, if the babies wake up, if everyone wakes up, I'm sort of awake anyway, so. And how hands-on are you? Because, obviously, you're working at the markets and up early and out the door. You came on 8 out of 10 cats the other day up in Manchester. You're doing this. You'll do a big book promo tour, I imagine, and stuff like that. So you are super busy because you've almost still got your day job and then also this sort of, like, TV, internet personality job. Yeah, I'm just really greedy. <laughs> just extremely greedy. I want everything. <laughs> so how do you fit that in with parenting then? What's your, is Sinead doing the majority of it and you're doing bits when you can or do you try and do more when you're at home? Do you split it? So Sinead is the governor. Mate, honestly, like, let's be honest. Like if it was like a nappy changing ratio, she's on like 98%. Like, no. she's, <laughs> like she's, my wife's amazing and yeah, she's a legend. But when I've got a day off, I'll take Henry out, I'll take the twins out. I'm hands on when I'm indoors, mm. but nappies yeah. and that, 
I'm not the best at, you know what I mean? I do bottle time, I'm happy doing that. Yeah, I do feeding time, I do all the other bits and pieces. When the nappy comes, no thank you. Really? What's your problem with nappies? I think I made it clear from the start when we had Emery, the first nappy I changed, I was sick over the baby. So (laughs) she's... Sick on the baby? Well, I I mean, I aimed, but... but Are you not very good with that kind of, that poo and wee and stuff? I mean, wee's out and dilt, it's the poos. I mean, we're potty training Emery at the minute, and what I've had to do is buy a little tube of Hot Wheels cars. You get 10 cars in a tube, and I've said every time you go in that potty and do a poo, you can take out a little car and play with it, yeah? Yeah. So obviously now I've got about 400 Hot Wheel cars around here. <laughs> yeah, he's regular. <laughs> but now he's just making them up. He's like, Daddy, look, poo. I'm like, there's nothing in there. Car, please? No. <laughs> so do you do the wee nappies, but the poo ones, Sinead? Takes the wee's are all right. It's yeah. the poo. I'll get the gag and I'll... Really? So have you always had a problem with poo? <laughs> <laughs> you should work on Newsnight. Has it always been a bit of a, that kind of stuff makes you a bit... Gag there. Mate, you know what it's like, especially when they come out like runny or green it's, and they're all up their back and they stink. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. They are brutal, to be fair. Are your kids already, can you see that they've got your kind of big personality? Is Henry... Uh... Is he a little shit? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a chip off the old block. He's already trying to do a deal on Hot Wheels cars. That feels He's like... on the driveway now flagging down cars. See, you've got some bits for sale. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the twins are just babies still, but you, they're just starting to laugh, which is beautiful. See them laugh and all that. I'm loving that. And they're just starting to rock a little bit now. And Henry's just a little character. Like, he's just, he just makes me die. Like, the things he comes out of. Yesterday, he was going, Daddy, Daddy, there's this toy. The dog goes like this. And I was going, oh, yeah. He's going, you do this. And I was going, all right, I'll do this. Like, I don't know why my son's got a strange accent. But... <laughs> I know, he sounds like he's just learning English. Yeah. <laughs> So with your work and stuff now then, like, do you think you'll always work on the markets and stuff like that? Or would you ever hand it over to anyone and do other stuff? Because I can't believe how much you're still sort of doing long, like 12 hour shifts, or is it all nonsense on social media? Or are you actually out doing that? Honestly, it really is. Like, I just love grafting. Always have done from a young kid. The markets I've done since I was 14, 15 years old. And all right, hold my hands up. I don't do them anywhere near as what I used to do 10 years ago. I used to do them every single day, but we do the odd one or two here and there. And it's, Great to go out there, see what the market's like. It's great to support local businesses. It's great to give people a deal because obviously I still get things cheaper than everyone else. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but the markets have sort of not become about the money for me now. It's more because I love them. Mm. And obviously when we've got a quiet day with other businesses, it keeps me staff in work. It's another day's wages. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's another thing to do. So if we've got a dead week and we've got a bit of stock down, but I said, come, let's go and do a market on Thursday. All go and nick a few hundred quid each. Bit of beer money and we have a laugh. And I just love doing them. What's the secret of being good salesman on a market? Because I did a jumble sale yesterday and I was really struggling to shift my copy of Prince Harry's Spare. It was a fucking nightmare. Should you leave people or should you be approaching them? Do you know what I mean? Like, if I go up to someone's stall and they're all over me, it puts me off. I've always been a great believer of make people like you, make people laugh, and then they'll buy from you. Like, people don't like a pushy salesperson when they're on you. Hello, mate. Boom, boom. Like, stick it up. You look at that. I think let people crack on, make them smile, yeah. make them trust you, make them laugh. And once someone likes you, you make them fall in love with you, you can sell them anything. <laughs> you sound like a cult leader now. You know, like on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Tom, we're from like similar backgrounds. Like, you're Essex, I'm South East London. What did you learn growing up of things that you want to instill in your kids from like your parents' generation? And what things do you think, now, do you know what? Actually, that was a little bit too old school, a little bit too full on. I want to go down a bit more of a more gentler route. Like, what's your sort of plan? Because you've got, they're only young still. You've got sort of like. Yeah, it's early for me. But I remember like things I used to love doing was when I was like 14 or 15, that sounds terrible. But I used to love going to the pub with me, Dad. <laughs> They'll go, oh, yeah, go over to Cost Cutters and get us a box of fags. Back then, fags were like four quid. And I go, give me a ten of them. They go, get them, but I've got to keep the change. And then we'd walk over, and I know the geezer in the Cost Cutters, and he'd like sell me a box of fags, and I'd like pocket six quid. Yeah. Obviously, that's not going to happen with my boy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I just want to teach him the good value. M- manners, obviously, very important. Yeah. Being polite and hard work. Look, hard work has made me successful just from working hard and getting on with it. So I just like to instill that into them. Look, my mum and dad always made me graft. I like, paper rounds at 12, 13. You just got to get out there and give it a go. And I think that's what I want to push into them. Take him and your daughters to work on the market when they're older? Is that Yeah, definitely. There's no better school than the school of reality, is it really? Like, if you push someone in there, out there in a the big bad world, like, if I hadn't done the markets from a young age, I wouldn't be doing things that I'm doing now, standing yeah. in front of 100 people talking. Because I wouldn't have the confidence. And it's built me up to be like that. 
And what was it like that first day when you had to do a market? Were you nervous? I don't even remember doing my first. I remember setting up stalls was always hard when I was a kid. You set up stalls, especially in the winter, and your hands were like, they used to have these metal setups, and your hands were freezing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And your fingerless gloves try and get them in. And I remember they'd go like, do you want to come back, put it down later on? And you go, yeah, go on, I'll do it for another five or a tenner. I remember like, someone's go, we're busy on Saturday, do you want to earn 40 quid or 30 quid? And you think, yeah, I'm like when you're a kid, that's loads of money, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I remember when I was about 18 and I was doing them on my own, my dad was selling like a load of handbags. So was he market trader as well? Yeah, but he stopped doing the markets like probably 20 years ago, yeah. Right. And he had like a women's like little boutique shop like selling just crap. You know, like, you know, like, <laughs> it was just like purses and handbags and like pashminas and like two for a fiver and things like that. But it was just off the market and he went, I've got a few hundred bags here, all the zips are broke. Do you want them for a pound each? I went, you're going in, but it's all broken bags. And I remember going and dagging the market, putting them all in. I was sitting there all the night before fixing them up and all that. I was sort of always buying and selling and giving it a go. And I just remember enjoying doing that. You've got to love it to do it. Yeah, you did some stall stuff, didn't you, Rob? I used to work at a Columbia Road flower market. Yeah, brilliant market. Yeah, my brother's mate had a shop there, but then I was selling compost out the front of it on a little stall. And were you good at it? I was all right at it, but it was I was so tired. I was only 14, so I wasn't as confident as I am now kind of thing. Yeah. And... I remember getting picked up at like 3, 4 a.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> like, oh, All I can remember is how easy it is to drive through London. You just zoom. Yeah, no yeah. traffic. No traffic. That was the best part. And God, look at him. It's like 28 days later in the morning. Tom, um, were you there for the births? How were the births oh. of Henry and then the twins? Do you know the story about the twins? No, I don't. <laughs> I want to now, though. I will start with the twins because it's epic. So I'm sweating a little bit because I'm a bit under the weather. Sorry. It's but all right. If you need to go and be sick or shit yourself, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about <laughs> Just, I've got a bucket here, don't worry. Or have a shit and then be sick because you've seen some shit. But that's another option. <laughs> I'll send a little hot wheel to you for doing a good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so when the twins were born, so basically I got offered probably one of the best jobs I've ever been in my life, and that was to manage West Ham in America. Right, okay. What? Essentially happened. So it was like five, six days before Prague, yeah? Was that when West Ham went and won the Europa Conference? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. But this has been booked up since January, so we didn't know if we were going to get that far. But the plan was if West Ham were going to go to America, manage the team, then fly to Prague. What do you mean by manage the team? So I was managing the West Ham Legends team. So it was like all our best players from like 10, 15 years ago. You had Matty Jarvis, Marlon Harewood, Anton Ferdinand, Elliot Wald, like some brilliant, brilliant players. You had Jimmy Walker. And it was fucking sick. But it's like your dream as a West Ham fan to all these people. Yeah, so it was like these are like the players that I've watched growing up and I absolutely love Where in America was you? North Carolina. Oh, so what a gig. You're getting paid to go over there, all social media stuff with a uh, club. insane. Dortmund was out there. Wolves was out there. Insane. It was a seven-a-side tournament, and they've asked me to manage them. So basically, I've gone to Sinead. The babies weren't due. <laughs> oh, no, <there laughs> okay, he's putting his hands up. Here we go. The babies <laughs> weren't due until the start of July. Okay, and when, when's this? When are you out there? Well, it's the... 1st of June, basically. So it's right at the start of June. Yeah. Like a month before the babies are due. A month before. And obviously Prague was on the, what was it, 6th, 7th? Anyway, it was five days out there. One day I was travelling. I've gone to a look, baby, if you don't want me to go, I will stay home. But it's West Ham. Imagine the team, like, I can't turn this down. And also, it is a month until they're due. So well, I'm all happy. I've rung Sinead's sister. She's moved in around my house. I'm going for five days. Now, I've never been to America before my life. <laughs> I've never been there. You know what's happening, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I've got on the plane and because it was all booked a little bit last minute, all the players had dotted all over the plane. Yeah. I've ended up sitting next to these two Americans, lovely couple, proper Americans, like legends. They was cracking me up. <laughs> we had the best flight ever. They was talking about, they'd been over to London, they tried fish and chips and I was like, never been to America. Couple. <laughs> they must have thought you was like some sort of caricature version of a London, like, <laughs> yeah. a yeah. paid character. <laughs> yeah. Like we were talking about Cockney Ryman slag and all sorts. Like it was brilliant. Like we got there, as we've got to the gate, everyone's gone through and there's just literally the biggest security guard and his two coppers with guns just picked me up, took me into a room, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. oh, my God. And then I sat there, and all the team obviously couldn't wait. They'd gone back to the hotel. I was in there for a couple of hours. Basically, I didn't declare that from many years ago, I had a couple of little 
criminal records. Nothing bad, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll a little, little criminal records. <laughs> as many criminal records as senses. Just a couple of little petty stuff. Petty stuff that I'd done when I was a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so because I didn't declare it, they was like, we're going to send you back. And I literally sat there pleading with these American police officers and these border control people talking. I was like, I'm managing West Ham. And I was like, shut up. I was like, I'm literally managing West Ham, yeah. <laughs> Elliot Ward, you must have heard of Elliot Ward. Come on, he's Anton Ferdinand, Rio's brother. <laughs> on Airwood. The guy had pulled up like all bits about me on Google. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, I'm reading your social media, boy. Do you like drugs? I was like, I'm here to manage West Ham, mate. He's like, okay. You sure you don't like drugs? Because sometimes I like to party a little bit, have a few drinks, things get passed around. Do you like drugs? I was like, mate, I swear to you, I don't like drugs. Like, I'm just also, what from someone eating a lasagna at 3 a.m. makes you think <laughs> exactly. well, that would make you think they're on yeah, drugs, exactly. actually. <laughs> but anyway, finally, we've got into the country. Like, they've let me in. Like, West Ham spoke to them. Like, basically, I was told I can't go to America until I do a proper visa in the future. But this right. time he's letting me off because it's bringing people to the town of Rayleigh and it's going to be good for the community. So I was like, happy days. <laughs> So I'm now, somehow got into America, got to the hotel. Then we've had a bit of dinner. Next day, we're doing a training day. So I'm walking about a big American flag. I'm on ESPN. I'm the governor out there. I'm giving it bosh to everyone. (laughs) Tom Skinner in America taking over. It's the best day of my life. Because I've never been in America. I want to go to a diner. I want to do this. You might not be invited back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, the third day, this is the day of our first... Game. We've got two games lined up. Now, I've put my manager's kit on. Like, I am ready. What's your manager's kit? Just to... Uh... Well, it's like the West Ham one. All the zip up, the bet. Wait, he's just the governor. What all the players are wearing? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Full kit. In my element. Like, yeah, of course. Couldn't sleep. I'm writing all things down. But inside my belly, I had this weird little feeling that something went right. I don't know what it was. So I've rung Sinead. Now, you guys was in London was five hours in front or six hours in front. So it's about one o'clock and it's nice and early in the morning in America. And I, what's your plan today? She's coming. I've got to go to the hospital about lunchtime or whenever it was because we've got to just check up and they've got to book in the date for the cesarean because their twins have to come out as a cesarean. Yeah. So I've gone, oh, fantastic. Got ready, gone downstairs, thought nothing of it, had a bit of breakfast, chatting with Seven Hines, had a bacon uh, roll with Anton Seven Hines. Oh, no. no. I don't know who he is. Don't, anyway, don't worry. <laughs> I thought it was a sauce. Legend. Legend. <laughs> legend another legend. <laughs> Had a bacon roll with Anton Ferdinand. Oh, you sure did. Gone upstairs to grab my trainers and everything in my bag. Sinead rang me crying. Couldn't breathe. I said, well, what's the matter? Are you okay? She, uh, uh, uh. I said, well, calm down, calm down. She went, where are you? She went, I'm in the hospital with a doctor. I said, put a doctor on. She's passed the phone to the doctor and the doctor said, look, basically, Tom, it's not great news. Twin B, the smaller of the two, like is basically in a bad way. Her heart rate's really dropped. And if we don't get her out straight away, we've got a very, very high risk going to lose her. Oh, Potentially, God. if it goes wrong, lose your, daughter, lose your wife. Oh, my fucking God. I'm in fucking America, and I'm thinking, well, I could potentially lose everyone. Yeah. I'm going to come back, and it's going to be me and Emery. It's what's going through my head. Burst out crying. I've jumped in the lift, gone downstairs. All the players are... We're, we're queuing to go on the coach. Yeah. I've, gone, I've got to go home. They're like, you what? Yeah. Told them the story. And because it was being documented, yeah... <laughs> He just stuck a camera straight in my face. And I was like, mate. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. He was like, can you just explain to the whole team on the bus what's happening? And the last one I to do was this. So I'm like, look, guys, I need to go. My wife might die. Like, my baby's in trouble. I'm really sorry. I can't be here with you. Yeah. Did you win the game? <laughs> <laughs> also, we're playing 3-5-2. And- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We've got the coach of the stadium. I'm running about looking for a fucking cab. I can't find a cab anywhere to get to the airport. I've gone back on the bus driver. I said, mate, take me to the airport. His bus driver, he's gone, family, brother, no problem. He's like saying out of a film. Drove me straight to the airport. I've jumped out. I've run. There's a massive queue. I'm all upset. Oh. I went, mate, I need to get in front of you. I've got to the front of the queue. This woman's sitting there. I've gone, listen, I need the next flight back to London. I don't care what it costs, where I've got yeah. to go. I need it, yeah? She's gone, sorry, sir, there's nothing. I don't know I keep doing these American accents. But. I like it. It's good. <laughs> and now I'm having a pen. I'm thinking, what can we do? What can we do? She went, well, the only flight there is is in a few hours, it's from Philadelphia. So you have to come back here in a few hours, fly from here, go to Philadelphia, wait at Philadelphia, then fly to Heathrow. Right. I said, I don't care what it is, I'll have it, boss, job done. Now, I've rung her up, she's calmed down, she's with her sister, she's in the wall, they're prepping all to have an operation, told her the, uh, the plan. But I've now got four hours to kill. Oh. So I've run back outside, yeah? This is all true, by the way. 
I've seen the bus driver like wingling out. I've run out the thing, jumped back on the bus, and taken back to the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, well, fuck it. I've got four hours to kill. Yeah. Our sisters there. Yeah? Oh, I am not missing managing West Ham. I've gone back to the stadium. The kickoff, like, so it was 11 o'clock, and it is like five to 11. I've pulled in, I've run, it's all secure. I've jumped over the gate, I'm running down. I've gone through the seats, done a roll onto the pitch. They're in a circle just before the kickoff. They've gone, Tom, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, listen, got the plane sorted, had a few hours to kill. There's no way I'm not managing West Ham. So now I've stood in the circle. I have given the best motivational speech <laughs> of my life. I've stood there. Listen, we're going to do this for my daughters, my wife. Anton Ferdinand, you was the best defender I've ever seen in my time. Right, and I'm just going off and on and on and on and on. So you're lying as well. <laughs> <laughs> These players are so buzzed. I was buzzed. Everyone's crying. <laughs> Boom. We got battered 3-1. <laughs> After that, I've run off. I've gone, guys, good luck for the next game. I'm going to have to go. Straight back to the airport. Now, as we've got through security, Sinead's sister Siobhan has rung me crying. Oh, God. Somehow, Tom, it's not good, it's not good. She said, whoa, 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 I'm going for security. She had the result, 3-1. <laughs> you had a good few chances, though. Possession, 80%. Sorry, what else? Oh, sorry, yes, Sinead. So she's got no, like, Sinead's like in the operating, there's about 10 doctors in there, there's been a problem, I don't know what's going on. She's crying, she's, but then I said, well, let me get for security. I said, listen, sort yourself out. I said, you're with your sister, go in there, because I'm not going to be there for her now, yeah? Like, come on, let's be strong here. Yeah. I've got through security, she's run me again, we're going to lose her, we're going to lose her. I, I said, oh. I've just gone, listen, I'm not having that, I've got the ump now. Yeah. I've gone, this is nonsense, go in there, be there for her, hold her around. She's going, all right, Tom, all right, Tom, all right, Tom. Boarded the plane and obviously, as you know, Americans are larger than life people, literally. So I'm <laughs> yeah. stuck on the edge of this aisle seat. I'm not a small guy either. Like I'm six one, like 18 stone and I'm small, yeah? <laughs> and I'm stuck in this aisle seat and I literally got a text from Siobhan saying, two daughters are bomb. Picture, they're on these little incubators, all tubes everywhere. Three oh, pound each, they're bomb. Three pounds? Well, they're so early. The planes yeah. took off. I've text back. How's Sinead lost signal? You can't make this up, right? Oh, fuck off. Now I'm on a 45-minute flight to Philadelphia. Oh, my God. Not knowing if my wife's alive. And I'm just like, what do I do? What do I do? I'm trying to buy the Wi-Fi so I can text. $25, like it didn't even work. Then as we're coming into land, we are 100 foot from the runway. Cabin crew, everyone's sitting down. There's nothing. All of a sudden, the captains give a little brace on the speakers. I've gone, fucking what? I've undone my belt and I've stood up to look around. Everyone's screaming. The plane is pulled up and banked right, like something I've never seen before. It's done a last second go around because another plane had been told to go onto the runway and it was like going to be a collision. Oh, oh my God. So, but now I'm thinking like, so we You all... thought you was about to get signal. Yeah, I thought I was about to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> but now I'm thinking I'm going to miss my connecting flight to Heathrow, aren't I? Oh, yeah. So anyway, we've come back around, landed. I've rung her, snakes, boom, she's in recovery. She's out cold, but she's fine. Pressure off. I know it's going to sound really stereotypically British here, yeah, but I got to, like, the terminal, the big British Airways sign, and then I got on the plane, and the captain was like, ladies and gentlemen, like, and I was like, oh, thank fuck, we're on the way home. We're safe. Like, we, oh. we're getting there. Like, I was like, listen, I had a nice glass of wine. Yeah, I, bet. <laughs> I had a bit of steak and chips. Like, I was, everything was good. And we flew back, and I got Wi-Fi, and everything was all right, and I was relaxed, and... I landed my mate Cole, who's a black cab driver, who's like now my full-time driver in the Bosch cab, waited for me outside, <laughs> took me straight to the hospital. And I sat there with my wife and she was in recovery, bless her legend, yeah. And the two twins were tiny little things, tubes everywhere, but in these little plastic ovens, incubators. <laughs> you know what happens. <laughs> and, <laughs> and as I've got there, now I've not slept for two days because of everything that's got from there. I've got there and I'm sitting with my wife, sitting with the babies. And someone said, Tommy, you go home, you look exhausted, just go home. I went home and I remember coming back to my house on that sofa over there and two of her sisters around. And I said, I feel really bad. I've only been up the hospital for half hour. I was like, Tom, what are you talking about? You've been sitting there for eight hours. Whereas in such a daze, really? I sat there with the twins just looking at them for hours. Oh my, oh my God. God. And then a few weeks later, they all come out of hospital. Everyone's all healthy and everyone's doing well. The twins are now doing well. You know what I mean? Everyone's good. Oh, brilliant. Bloody hell. Oh, what a story. Another round of applause <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah. Are they like on weight now and stuff, the twins? They're still smaller, only 10 pounds each. Yeah. And they're four months old. But because they're only three months old, really, aren't they? Because a month yeah. early. They were so small, like three pounds. You know I, I mean? found it really difficult yeah. doing like the babies when they were little, even when they were like seven, eight pounds, but it's a three pound baby. And you're a big guy, a big hand. Just pick up one hand. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Got two of them out. Look. I don't know if we need the first birth story. I think you've done the big one there. I mean, the first one, they, he got strangulated, bless him, but he was all oh, right. God. But I remember just sitting there eating Percy pigs. <laughs> but, uh, was you nervous? Because you're sort of super confident and happy-go-lucky and positive. But like when she was getting the contractions and she went in, was you getting nervous and worried? Yeah, of course. I mean, even Henry's birth wasn't just like easy because he was strangulated. Well, with the umbilical cord? Yeah. So they had to get him out in a certain amount of time and she didn't know what was going on. And I remember just talking to the doctor and the doctor, she was like an angel. She went to me like, Tom, like... We've only got literally a minute to do this, like when it happens. So we need to get everything right. So she went to me, do you want to tell your wife? I went, I don't tell her. I'll go in there, hold her hand. And literally I sat there eating Percy pigs. <laughs> Mate, it's actually in my book, the picture of the Percy pigs. Oh, I bet the photos are good in the book. But there's the Percy pigs. <laughs> How much food there is? Have you seen that, Josh? No, show us the photo of the food and we read out what he took. Because Sinead's not eating, is she? She's giving birth. No. That's just for you, isn't it? Fuck it yeah, now. So there's three sandwiches, two chocolate bars, Percy pigs and pineapple, four bottles of water, two tubs of chocolates and then some fruit. What are those cups? They're tubs of like they're millionaire shortbreads from oh, Spencer's. Oh, fuck yeah, now. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the book, Tom. So the book is the maddest thing I've ever done in my life. I've never thought in a million years I'd be writing a book. Yeah. Well, I didn't a ghostwriter help me, but... <laughs> 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 Refreshing honesty, that's what we're looking for. Mate, I worked with a guy called Nick Arden. He was an absolute legend. He followed me about in my van for a few weeks, yeah. And he literally thought I was insane. He's like, <laughs> when do you sleep and why do you eat so much? <laughs> <laughs> you do eat a lot, but you train a lot and you're on the go, which burns calories, but you do pack it away, don't you? Do you know what? I reckon I eat probably five, no, maybe more, 6,000 calories a day. It ain't mega, mega, <sighs> yeah. but it's like a lot. But I do train, but I look like a fat geezer. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I see you on Instagram and you look rock solid, athletic and muscly. And then, no offence, Tom, some days I sort of feel like, is that his brother <laughs> that I've not met yet? Because he looked like a completely different person. It depends if I've been on the beers all weekend or not. If he's cut down to just 4,000 calories, then he's looking really good by that point. So what's your 6,000 cows? Talk me through them. Every morning I'll have dinner for breakfast, regardless of what day of the week it is. Dinner like, for breakfast, Whether it be yeah. lasagna, chilli con carne, jacket potato, baked beans, cheese. And that's about 4am, is that? Early, yeah, early. Then if we're in the market, I will end up having something else around eight or nine. Yeah. But it'd be like bacon roll or a little hot dog or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll have a bit of lunch. <laughs> it's going to sound so bad. What do you have for lunch? Would you come home or is that out at a cafe? No, normally she does me a packed lunch, which would right. be like a couple of little sandwiches, maybe like some chilli from last night, yep. a couple of boiled eggs, you know, the usual few bags of crisps. A few, a few bags of crisps? How many bags? Not that many, two or three. Like. <laughs> yeah. Some dairy dunkers and them little snack attacks that are for Henry. <laughs> and then dinner is at a home. You do a lot of cooking, don't you? Yeah. I normally cook the dinner. Right. If it's quite good, I'd film it and put it on Instagram. Yeah, I've seen that as yeah. well, yeah. Big portions as well. Of course. Because my house is so open, there's always like family and friends in and out. Like, I will cook for 10 people every night of the week. And right, okay. my mate will pop in from the gym. Like, my other friend will come around with his missus. Like, my mum might pop around. Like, so, we're very family orientated. The doors are always open. Like, so... Probably the only time you'd be in my house and no one's in it, just me. Do you find it weird being in the house on your own? I find that weird. Yeah, I get scared. <laughs> <Don't you? laughs> no, I just, I don't like being indoors on my own. Do you like being alone at all? If you, nah. say, for example, Sinead was taking all the kids away with her family or something for the weekend and you weren't allowed to socialise with people, how would, would you struggle with that weekend? Which means I wasn't allowed to socialise with people. Well, no, but if you, could you just sit <laughs> in She just locks me in the house. Bye. <laughs> But I think you love being around people, don't you? Feed off it. If she'd done that, I'd be like, touch, straight down the pub with my pals. <laughs> right, okay. You know exactly what's happening. Yeah. I'm having a party. I thought that would be the way, yeah. <laughs> so you, because when we had our second, I'd normally leave Lou with the baby and then take the toddler out for the day. Because yeah. really, with the twins, it's hard on your own with the twins, but it's a lot calmer if there's not a kid trying to do a poo in a potty and throw a car at the kids. So you'd find you're spending a lot more time with Henry at weekends and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when I can, I bring Henry with me places, yeah. take him out. Like, we'd be doing lovely little days, like taking down the park. Or I've got him a season ticket at West Ham. Oh, really? At three? Not even three yet. His first game was at home against Chelsea and he was just standing in the chair going, irons, irons, all game. <laughs> Didn't have a clue what was going on, but he loved it. Like we had a really good day. I took him on a train the other week, went to the London History Museum. Like just try and do things that I think little memories he'll remember when he gets older. I don't yeah. know, just try and do the right thing, didn't you? Do you want him to go down the 
own business, grafting, do your own thing route? Or would 100% you... no. <laughs> no. Would you like to see him at uni and being more academic and going down that route? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I left school early, went straight to work. I got expelled from school for selling pornos. <laughs> Is that why you weren't allowed into America? Selling pornos at school? One of the reasons. <laughs> I've always worked, and listen, I've been up and down so many times in my life. Like, one minute I'd have a few quid, nice van, nice flat. Next minute I'd be skint, back of my mum's ass. My mum's got a two up, two down ass. There'd be no room for me, so I'd be laying on a little pulled out futon in the front room. Like, well, front, it's like the front door, what's he doing there? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I think I would like my kids to... Get a proper, like, proper job. Yeah. And not have that worry of where's your next pound coming from. Touch wood, I mean, I'm lucky now. I'm in a very fortunate situation where I could take a couple of months off and I'm fortunate. Yeah. But back then I couldn't. It was like, you need to go to work every day. Hand to mouth. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And it was just hard because if it rained all week, you weren't going to work on a market. So you had no readies. Yeah. And then buying stock, buying the right stock. I think I would like them to get a proper job where they can progress and do well. And, and they haven't got to go through the struggles and the, all the mad stuff that I've done, the strokes yeah. I've pulled, do you know what I mean? The fights I've had. <laughs> <laughs> what about if they said they wanted to go on The Apprentice? Yeah, I'll definitely do that. That's really good fun. Yeah, you enjoyed that, I think. Do you like sugar? Mate, he's actually all right. He's actually all right. I mean... I didn't realise how short he was until I think, bless him, he's tiny. But he's a nice guy. Like, I mean, I got on well with him, but when you go on that show, the first thing everyone says is how good they are in business. And I'm thinking, you can't be that good because you're here trying to get a quarter million quid. Like, if you was good, you'd have a quarter million quid, wouldn't you? Let's be honest. It's a good point. <laughs> but I took it what it was. I had a laugh on there. I just enjoyed it and took his experience. Look where I am now for the back of it. So, yeah, one of the best things I've ever done. You all live in a house together, don't you? Yeah, it's like being in jail, mate, right? So you turn up, they go, phone, money, keys, strip you of all your stuff. You get chucked in the house, you get your little cell, your little room. There's like free to a room and literally you're told when to eat, told when to go to bed. You can't watch telly, you can't speak to your family. And I was there for seven weeks, so it was hard. It was hard. You do miss your friends and family. I mean, I did sneak out once, but... Were you able to source your lasagna at 4am? What was going on? <laughs> the uh, house we stayed in was in Finchley. Now, my wife and her family are from Finchley Park, North London, literally uh-huh. around the corner. There's a pub I know. So I literally one night jumped out the window. <laughs> 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 Went to the pub, I had no money. He was like, can I have two pints? I was like, of course you can. Tom what I was doing, didn't believe me. Come back, jump back through the window. Because it was in this big old manor house. Yeah. Off of, um, can't think what it's called. Anyway, it's where all the big houses are. Right, okay, it's one of the big ones. I suppose you've got to get all the candidates in there. There's like 18 people in there. It's like a big brother house, just bigger. Oh, you didn't have kids then? That was just you and Sinead? No, we didn't, just me and Sinead. How would you feel if you did something like The Jungle? I've been the bookie's favourite to do that for three years in a row, yeah. Are you doing it? Well, I don't know at the minute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? But listen, I mean, it'd probably be the wrong time at the minute with the babies. But I would love to do it. I mean, I don't think, apart from the Hyatts, there wouldn't be a challenge I wouldn't do. You'd eat everything. Changing a nappy? Changing a nappy. Dex nappy. <laughs> Who's nappy to change? Like? Yeah. And then Dex. And then Dex. <laughs> Dex nappy, yeah. <laughs> Give Ant a break. Everyone in real life is smaller than what they appear on the telly, yeah? Fact, right? Yeah. Apart from me, yeah? I don't know why this is, because like, they say the camera adds £10, right? Yeah. But it must be n- minus four cameras on me, because people go... Cool, you look a lot better on a telly. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't actually get to. What's the book about? Is it your life story? So the book is about graft, how to smash life. <laughs> Bosh. <laughs> Bosh. It's not an autobiography. It's more life lessons and stories that happened to me. So it's like, it's a funny book. Basically, like a few people have read it and said it's absolutely hilarious. Like there's yeah. stories in there when I've been abroad and I nearly got shot and killed. And <laughs> there's also stories in there like when I'm in a market stall. Anything I thought could give someone a lesson in life, I've put in that book. I've read an advanced copy of it, one of the only ones we've read, because uh, we've got the same publisher, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. how lovely is Kelly? She's so lovely. She's really, really good. And she, obviously, it's well, you've got dyslexia to quite a high degree, which you might find it really difficult. And uh, Kelly was really helpful with me doing all that kind of stuff. But she sent me a copy of it, and it's really funny. It's a proper, like, authentic. And I think that's why you're so popular, is what you see is what you get, really, with that's you. It. And I think it comes across in the book, so you're not putting any punches in it. Thanks, mate. There's a few stories I couldn't put in there, because I thought I'd go... Any you want to share here, Tom? <laughs> Oh, no, no. I, I think my management would stab me. Fair enough. <laughs> if you've got management, are you not across the deals, though? Because you're like the ultimate deal maker, right? It must be difficult for you to go, I reckon you could get me a better deal than that, right? 
Well, classic example, we've done a brand deal with McDonald's, yeah? And I was like, yeah. can I come to the meeting, please? And I was like, no. And I was like, please, please, like, let me come to the meeting. I was like, all right. Got to the meeting, I got the money strap. I was like, listen, mate, I'm not, I just ran with them in the meeting. <laughs> they was all looking at me like, Tom, what are you doing? It's McDonald's. I was like, listen, we'll, we'll get my money out of these. Like, <laughs> 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 of course he did, yeah. <laughs> and is it Henry at nursery yet or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, he's at his... nursery. How was that dropping him off? Uh, do you know what? The first one, we went together and it was like, how's he going to be? But he loves it. He's got oh, his little brilliant. mate called Lenny and, and uh, he goes... Daddy, nursery with Lenny. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. He loves it. And, and uh, he enjoys nursery. He's good in there. And since going to nursery, you've always seen this, how fast they progress. Oh, it's mad. Yeah. And how runny does their nose get? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like their vocabulary increases and they have to make space in their head for it. So it just comes yes. out of the nose. <laughs> Constant stream of snots. Always ill. They're always bringing back it. That's probably what you got. <laughs> yeah, no. I had to go and pick him up Friday last week. And I was like, yeah, he's fine, but he's just been sick. And I was like, oh, no problem. Then I went to a boxing event on Saturday. I was boxing big London team with Ricky Hatton and Johnny Nelson and all that. So I got a few put rounds with my wife. She was in bed with it all day. And then yesterday, I didn't get the second half of the day. So hopefully it's all gone now. With the twins, have you had the twins on your own overnight yet or anything like that? Or just no, the day no, no, I'm not allowed. What, to have the twins on your own? No, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Listen, it's going to sound terrible, yeah? Okay. I'm still struggling to tell them apart. Oh, what, the twins? <laughs> so you don't know what's that what? Because <laughs> they are identical and the weight is identical. Like, if it's identical, yeah, yeah, the only thing you can tell is Roma, yeah? Yeah. She's got like a little bit of a bump on her head. But when you put them together like that, it's like looking at two identical things. They're so alike. Well, my friends had to do that. They had twins and they ended up painting the nail varnishes on. So one had a red nail varnish, one had a blue nail varnish, just to tell them apart, especially in the middle of the night. Because you don't want to feed them twice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just to stop you feeding them. I got a marker pen and put A and B on their heads, which made them <laughs> mental. <laughs> I think nail varnish might be easier. <laughs> Sharpie on the head. <laughs> Josh, anything else before we do the final question? I've got 600 questions about how The Apprentice works, Rob, but I don't know whether that's this is the podcast. Oh, you can do some more Apprentice questions if you want. How set up is it? Oh, massively. But it's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> one of the biggest things to tell you about The Apprentice that no one knows is if you're doing a task and you've got something to do and it's not filmed, it's not filmed on the camera, it doesn't count. Really? What do you mean? So they'll send you around and go, right, you've got to sell the tickets. Like, you could go and sell every single ticket, but if you didn't have a camera watching it, it doesn't count for the show. No. Anyone who's watched this, watching this podcast, who wants to go on The Apprentice, make friends with the camera guys. <laughs> 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 because if they don't follow you and they don't track it, how can they show on a show yeah. if it doesn't exist? I always think, like, it must be really annoying when you're desperately trying to sell a load of stuff and then they pull you aside for an interview and you're like, I really could do without this because I'm trying to sell some scarves on a market stall. What I do, like I'm making a minute, kind of, I ain't doing one now, I'm just carrying on doing something. But when you do a task, it's three days long as well. Right. What? Yeah, so one task is three days. And what goes into it is insane because you actually are running about all day getting cabs, going here, going there. It's very, very long. And the boardroom takes three to four hours to film. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That must be exhausting. Lord Sugar, I love him. Lovely bloke. But he's getting a little bit now and he forgets his lines. And like, it'll yeah. just like randomly just start screaming at someone and get their name wrong. And then ah. they'll go, Lord Trigger, you got his name wrong. And they go, oh, and he'll do it again and just scream at the same person again. Oh. <laughs> You're sacked. Oh shit, what is it? Five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hard to remember your lines. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Tom. Josh, I feel like there's another apprentice question. You've got more. What's that cafe to... like? Shit. <laughs> oh, so bad. You know, like one in cash that just has like, a couple of cakes with silicone over it and some Mars yeah. bars. Yeah. No. Cut of like Rio's. It ain't a great calf. No. Fair. And you know when you win the task, I always think those things look so fucking shit when you go to a cocktail making class. Well, obviously, I only won one task, yeah. And this is right, this is I was fuming, yeah. So everyone got like, oh, lunch at the shard, like this, like thank good. What did I get? Fucking rowing lesson, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, so I had to sit in a pool with like the other six guys in my team in a canoe and just row against a thing while someone's going, row, row. And I was like, this is a joke, isn't it? Like, this is not fun. <laughs> that is awful. <laughs> Terrible. That, that's not going to incentivise you to do it well, is it? Well, that's why I lost the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> On yeah. purpose. And what's it like to be fired? Is that a relief in the end? No, because you obviously want the money, didn't you? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I want the reddies. 
Final question, Tom, but it's about Sinead. Look, we don't ask everyone about Sinead, just for you, obviously, no, it's about yeah. Sinead. What's the one thing she does parenting-wise that makes you go, oh, she's amazing, I'm so lucky to have her as my partner and mother of my kids? And then what's the one thing she does that sort of frustrates you a little bit with the kids that if she was listening, she might go, yeah, he's got a fair point? So I think that the way she's just so on there, she knows what the baby's want. She knows which one's which. Yeah, she knows what baby's what. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, like when the baby starts crying, I sometimes don't hear it. She'll just sit up, get up, bang, she's on it. Or if Henry's upset, she knows what he wants. Like, she's so good at being a mum. And like, she'll sit there and she'll be, I don't know, doing a cunning book with Henry. Yeah, she's got one twin there. She's just multitasking. Which I'm like, oh, I've dropped the baby again. Like, obviously, I'm not like. <laughs> yeah, to clear up, you're not actually dropping the babies. It's just a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, almost. <laughs> one thing that she does to annoy me, uh, probably. When Henry wakes up at night sometimes, yeah, because obviously his bedroom's next to our bedroom and he's got a little gate on there, yeah, and I'll sometimes open it in the middle of the night so he can come in and get a little cuddle, yeah, because I just like <laughs> a little cuddle with him. Because remember, I wake up three, four in the morning, so like if he wakes up, I have a little cuddle and I get in the shower and I go to work, she'll like hear me go, dink, and she'll like wake up when I'm asleep, like when she's doing the twins, and then lock the little gate so he can't come in for a little cuddle in the morning. That annoys you a little bit, oh, but you can see why she's doing it. Yeah, she's like, you shouldn't be leaving his bed. <laughs> well, that's because you piss off at three and she's got to sleep with a toddler yeah. for four hours. That's what she said. She's like, now I've got three kids wide awake, three in the morning, and I've had no sleep. <laughs> and you're in the calf going, good morning, you lovely people. <laughs> Tom, thanks so much, mate. And good luck with the book and everything else. What's the name of the book one more time? It's called Graft, How to Smash Life. Abosh. <laughs> Cheers, Tom. Have a good one, mate. Have a good day, guys. See you later. Tom Skinner, a boss. What a lovely bloke. Full of beans. Yeah. He's just so animated, isn't he? When he first appeared on The Apprentice, how many tweets did you get, Rob? Yeah, a lot of people saying it's... But we're actually very different in real life. Like, yeah, I've got yeah. a beard now. It's like, also, he's much bigger than me. He's like six foot one. I'm five foot eight. Yeah, you're not having a lasagna at four foot... Uh, four eight. Four foot. <laughs> four foot am. Fuck it now. He sounds like you need a fucking lasagna at four foot AM, mate. I should have asked him about lasagna at Christmas, what his view was. Fuck. Oh, God, yes. Maybe next time. But yeah, buy his book, Tom Skinner. Good luck with a graft. Right, see you next week. See you Tuesday. See you Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Hi, guys. Fatia El Ghori here. Quick question, bruv. Do you like to laugh? Do you like to give money to good causes? Course you do, bruv. Course you do. Well, listen, on Thursday, the 2nd of November, Hackney Empire, I'm hosting a comedy night with a star-studded lineup. Heard of Rob Beckett, Jack D, Kerry Godiman, Axel Blake, Joanne McNally, Harry Hill. Well, yeah, I pulled some strings, didn't I? They're all going to be joining me to raise money for the British Red Cross, Morocco Earthquake and Libya Floods Appeal. It's a win for your dopamine levels and your morals. So get your tickets at Hackney Empire or Ticketmaster. See you there, it. Hello, I'm Jen Brister. And I'm Kerry Godleyman. And we host the brand new podcast series, Memory Lane. Each week, we'll be taking a trip down memory lane with our very special guests as they bring in full photos from their past to talk about. And Jen and I will be doing new episodes every week. Come on, we can all be nosy together. Memory Lane Podcast, available now. Hello, I'm Charles Brandreth. What's the very first thing you remember? That's the question I'll be asking my famous and fascinating guests in Rosebud my new podcast about first memories and first experiences. My first memory is handing my Auntie Muriel a piece of turd. Other guests include Dame Judi Dench, Alison Hammond and Rory Stewart. Download and listen wherever you get your podcasts.